Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author, and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And in this series of podcasts, we're looking at different property strategies and running the rule over them, seeing how they work, seeing how we finance them, seeing where we find our deals. And in this episode, I want to look at commercial conversions, which perhaps for many of us might be a bit of a surprise because in many people's eyes, commercial conversions are really only for the most experienced, super sophisticated investors. But I don't think it needs to be that way. And I'm going to tell you why as we go through this podcast. So this is potentially a strategy for anybody who's listening. But if you've tuned in and you've thought of yourself only as a buy-to-let investor, let me challenge you on that. And let's have a think about some sort of bigger strategies. I wasn't, I'm not going to say better strategies because every strategy is good. They're just all different. And commercial conversions are just a different way of doing property. So let's start by thinking about what a commercial conversion is. Well, as it says on the tin, a commercial conversion is converting a commercial property to another use. And in our world, in the world of progressive and in the world of commercial conversion investors and developers, that's usually turning something like an office building into residential apartments. But it could be much more than that. There's a whole load of pubs out there which have been sold on at the moment, which are ripe for conversion. They can be converted into HMOs. They could be converted into apartments. Maybe they could be converted into other leisure uses. There's been a whole spate of corner shops, for example, being turned into houses. I'm sure you've seen many of those in your local town. Care homes being turned into HMOs. All sorts of possibilities, but it's basically taking a commercial property and making it into another use. We're going to think about how we do that and why we do that in a moment. But first of all, why would we want to do commercial conversions? Well, one of the great things about commercial conversions is that just one deal can change your financial present and your financial future. Why? Because there are large sums of money involved. That might scare some of us, but actually for others, that's very exciting. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's because there's more money involved that it's going to put you at more risk. And we'll think about that as well. But if one deal can change your financial present and your financial future, then two deals can potentially make you financially independent. It doesn't take very many deals for you to start making big bucks, being crude about it, in commercial conversions. Because the general rule, the bottom line is, bigger projects mean bigger profits. And you can get bigger returns and bigger profits for the same effort as you can with smaller projects. This is something which can surprise new investors, particularly the fact that with the same amount of effort, you can buy a much bigger project. You see, the thing is that even if you're just doing a buy-to-let, there's still some very basic things you have to do. You've got to inspect the property. You've got to negotiate with the bank through a mortgage broker. You've got to instruct your solicitor. You've got to negotiate with an agent, the price, all of that kind of stuff. It's the same effort to do that for a bigger project as it is for a smaller project, except the bigger project is going to have more noughts on the end, which hopefully means that there's more noughts on the end of the profit. 
but it's the same thing. It's still going to take the same amount of time. It's still going to take the same amount of effort. And something else which we don't talk about in property very often is the amount of hassle. Because there's always hassle in property. And you know me, I've never sort of hidden that in this podcast. I think property is great, but I'm not going to say that it's absolutely perfect. There's days when you think, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. It doesn't matter. You keep plowing on because you know that the end result is going to be good. But there's always going to be bumps in the road and things that happen which are unforeseen and which you wish hadn't happened. That's true whether it's a small deal or whether it's a big deal. But one of the things which I've heard people say about commercial conversions, which I'm sure is absolutely true, is although there's still hassle in commercial conversions, it's a better quality of hassle. Why else might you want to do commercial conversions? Well, this comes from somebody who spent the last 20 years accumulating 70-odd buy-to-let properties. So I can really vouch for the validity of this. One of the great things about commercial conversions is you don't have to spend years accumulating your portfolio. Now, it all depends on how much cash you want to get out and what sort of return you want on your money. But basically, because of the scalability of commercial conversions, because in one deal or two deals or three deals, you can make big figures with many zeros on the end, you don't need to accumulate a large portfolio in order to get the equivalent amount of money out. You don't need to go and accumulate 60 or 70 properties. One or two deals is going to give you the same amount of return or the same amount of money as 60 or 70 properties. One deal could be, I don't know, five years worth of rent. It could be five years worth of rent of one property, depending upon how big your property is, or it could be five years worth of rent from your entire portfolio because commercial conversions can be at that kind of level, that kind of size. Another big advantage is that most of the time, not always, but most of the time, we're probably going to be converting our properties and then selling them on. Why selling them on? Because then we can have some nice chunky lumps of cash coming into our bank account. And if we're going to be selling them on, then there's no ongoing portfolio management. There's no dealing with tenants. You can take a a little office building, turn it into flats, and then sell it. And you're selling it to owner-occupiers who love the property and they want to live there. And you never have to talk to them again. You're not accumulating 60 or 70 properties. And believe me, if you accumulate a portfolio of 60, 70, 100, or like Robin Mark, 720 properties, is there going to be hassle? Of course there is. Are there going to be bad tenants? Well, unfortunately, yes. Even with the best in the world, with the best vetting procedures, things are going to happen because it's a numbers game. It's just purely a numbers game and it's all just part of the business. But you don't have ongoing portfolio management and dealing with tenants with commercial conversions. Now, an objection which I sometimes hear is, but surely, Peter, surely these have to be massive deals and I'm not sure that I'm up to doing a massive deal. Well, no, they don't have to be massive deals. I mean, they can be massive deals. If you think about what Rob and Mark are doing at the moment, Rob and Mark are currently doing a commercial conversion project right in the centre of Peterborough. They've just been granted planning to convert two floors over the old Marks and Spencers unit into 98 apartments. Well, I'd say that 98 apartments is going to be pretty massive. So that's a, you know, that's an extreme isn't it? That's at the extreme end of the scale. And the figures reflect that. They, they, it costs them, I think, £4.2 million to buy the property. It's costing so much to do the refurb and the conversion that Mark Homer won't even tell me how much he's spending. I think the, the fees for the architects and the other experts is about half a million quid. The end 
product, the 98 apartments are going to be worth about 15 million pounds when it's finished. That's at a massive scale. By the way, as an interesting anecdote, because Mark was able to buy the whole property, which included the ground floor retail, and because he is able to sell the ground floor retail on separately, he's pretty much done the whole thing as a no money down deal. The flats upstairs, other than the conversion cost, pretty much came for free, which I think is pretty amazing. It just shows what you can do. But you probably wouldn't want to start at that scale. Now, some of you who are listening to this are probably big thinkers and high achievers, and doing a property at that, of that sort of size wouldn't necessarily put you off. But you don't have to. You can start at a much more modest level, should you wish to. I'm just buying, in fact, just exchange contracts on my latest commercial conversion project, which is 2,500 square feet, and I'm turning it into four flats. It doesn't have to be massive. My very first commercial conversion project was just turning a a small office building, which at that time was about 4,000 square feet. And with my JV partner, we turned it into six apartments. Maybe you could see yourself doing something a little more manageable like that. And I can see you doing it too. Another objection, which I sometimes hear, is that commercial conversions are expensive. Well, yeah, sure. If you're going to go and do something in the centre of Peterborough, which is going to be 98 apartments, it's going to cost you four million quid. But the one which I've just exchanged contracts on going to cost me, give or take, £100,000 to buy that property. It's in a a northern town. It's in a relatively cheap area. It's going to be highly profitable. But £100,000, £120,000 to be precise, that is less than the price of a studio flat in London, isn't it? That's not expensive. Many, many of us could find the wherewithal to raise the finance to buy that property, even if we didn't have £120,000 of our own. doesn't have to be expensive. And the great thing is, there's lots of deals like that out there. Loads of deals out there. Every town you go to nowadays, there's going to be offices, and particularly now, shops. What's happening on the high street? Well, sadly, the shops are in big trouble. There's a lot of debate at the moment as to whether the government should do something about commercial rates Because of internet sales and Amazon and all that other kind of stuff that's going on, a lot of the big retailers are suffering and shops are shutting down. Shops in secondary and tertiary locations, the out-of-town locations, the not-such-good locations particularly are really suffering, and they can be ripe for conversion. And the government are trying to encourage us to convert them as well. So there's lots of deals out there. Now, just to address this point about money, because I know that money can be one of the sticking points when it comes to doing property investing, because we all imagine we're a bit skint. We all imagine that property is very expensive. We all imagine that we can't afford it. But the reality is, particularly when you're talking about something like commercial conversions, it can be easier to get the money than you think. Why? Because it's often easier to get money for big deals than it is to get money for small deals. Why is that? Because when you go out looking for, say, JV partners, and JV partners are perfect for financing commercial conversions, but when you go out looking for JV partners, the sort of people who've actually got the money, they're going to get commercial conversion and get the power of commercial conversion and understand that they're going to get a better return from something like a commercial conversion than they are if you try and persuade them to lend you loads of money in order to do a few buy-to-lets. And the reality is, if there's somebody out there who's got the money, 
they'd probably put, rather put their money into one or two big schemes where they can see their money is safe, it's all in one basket, they can check in with just one person, they can make sure that the project's running as it should, rather than taking their money and spreading it out over a number of different properties, particularly with a number of different investors. So that's what you need to be thinking about, to think that it's very counterintuitive because many people who are new to property would assume that it'd be much easier to borrow a smaller amount of money than it would be to borrow a bigger amount of money. That's often not the case. It's often much easier to borrow a big amount of money than it is to borrow a small amount of money, quite simply, because the people who've got the big amounts of money are the ones who really get this and they know exactly what they're looking for. They don't want to be dealing with small-time investors. They want to be dealing with people who are doing bigger deals. And that means one of the great things about commercial conversions is that it's entirely possible that other people are going to pay for them for you, which I think is pretty cool. So you don't even have to buy your own commercial conversions. What's your role in this? Well, your role is probably butting in the time. It's going out and finding the deals. Your role isn't necessarily to be funding them. If you've got money to fund them, great. If you haven't, that shouldn't stop you. Which takes me on to another objection that many people may have, which is, that's all well and good, Peter, but I don't actually have any experience. Why should anybody listen to me? Why should anybody want to JV with me when I don't actually know what I'm talking about? Well, I suppose there's some validity in that, but I see this all the time. As one of the trainers on Masterclass, for example, one of the things which we teach when we're talking about JVs is the fact that there are many, many potential JV partners out there who would love to JV with you, and not for the reasons that you may think. You may be thinking that you've got to go and impress them with your expertise. You may be thinking, well, I haven't got any credibility because I haven't actually done any deals. You may be thinking, well, why should anybody listen to me? What you have, which many JV partners actually covet and crave, is that you've probably got the time, and hopefully with the time, you've also got the energy to go out and source the deals, and that's what they really want. If you can source the deals then often you'll find that there's plenty of people who will be prepared to back you and fund you, but you've got to be able to prepare yourself to go out and find the deals. What do you need to do? Well, I'd suggest that what we should do anyway as a very basic thing is we need to get ourselves educated. So if you think that this is something you'd like to do, then I'd suggest that you find a course on commercial conversion. Strangely enough, progressive run one. And that will give you a lot of very good knowledge, which will give you enough to be able to go out and start finding the deals and enough to be able to communicate to your JV partners. The fact that you've done a three-day course with Progressive about commercial conversions, for example, I think will give you a lot of credibility. That's up to you. Certainly, I would suggest that commercial conversions isn't the kind of strategy that you want to go out and try and adopt without having some kind of education. It's not the sort of thing which you just wake up on a whim and think, oh, I think today I'll go and do a commercial conversion. It's quite a big, chunky thing. If you get it right, the returns are brilliant. If you get it wrong, it could be a bit of a sort of a train wreck, really, isn't it? So you don't want to do that. By the way, with the right education, the right training, the right mentoring, there's no reason why it should go wrong. But you probably want to, as a foundational step, get a little bit of knowledge about it. But the knowledge is out there, and we can certainly help you with it here. The point is, you don't need to have previous experience. There's lots of deals out there you can find. There's lots of JV partners who'd love to fund those deals. You just need to bring them together. And you can do that. Of course, the great thing is that once you've done one or two deals, you will have the experience. And so that won't be an objection anymore. One thing I I really do love about um, 
commercial conversions is that the concepts behind them are very, very simple. If you're not familiar with commercial property, you may think it's all very complicated and that different rules apply. But actually, commercial conversions are pretty much like everything else we do in property. They're just on a bigger scale. Why do commercial conversions work? Well, because basically we can add value to the property. And there's three main ways that we can add value to the property. And none of these are going to be a surprise to you because you've probably come across these in other contexts with other types of property. The first is that we can refurbish it. Essentially, when we do a conversion, we're probably going to change it from one use to another. But as part of that, we're going to change the physical layout of the property and we're probably going to do it up. So what does that mean? Well, if we're going to take an office building and make it into apartments, for example, we're probably going to be putting, well, we will be, we'll definitely be putting in new kitchens, we'll be putting in new bathrooms, all the kind of stuff which we will be doing with other strategies in any case. When I buy my buy-to-lets, I put in a new kitchen, a new bathroom. But the great thing about doing commercial conversion is the scalability. It's like doing a number of refurbs all at the same time. In the case of my little modest project, I'm going to be doing four refurbs at once. In the case of Robert Mark's big project in the centre of Peterborough, they're doing 98 refurbs all at once, in effect. And of course, no matter where you are on the scale, because of the scalability, there's going to be economies of scale. So it's going to be cheaper to put in four bathrooms. It's going to be cheaper to put in four kitchens. It's going to be much, much cheaper to put in 98 kitchens. There's economies of scale there. But the principles behind it, we all understand. If we understand buy-to-lets, we understand that doing a refurb adds value. And as long as we can add more value than the amount that we spend, then that's a great thing. And that's all we're doing, really, with a commercial conversion. We're kind of doing a big refurb. What else could we do? Well, we could extend the property, depending upon what the property is and where it is. We might be able to do some kind of a a loft conversion. We may be able to build out at the back or to the side, or depending upon where the building line is, we might be able to build out at the front. There may be scope to extend the property, which would add value. But then, of course, the big one is the actual change of use itself. Changing the use of the property from, say, an office to residential is again another potential source of adding the value. That's where really adding the value comes in. Now we can only do that if we have the right consents in place. And in the normal course of things, you would expect to have to get planning. When you change the use of a property, even if you don't change the physical layout or the physical appearance, a change of use usually requires planning consent. But one of the great things about commercial conversions is that the government really want us to do this. And so they've made it far easier for us to do commercial conversions by tweaking the planning system. And basically what they've said is this. They've said you don't need to go through the normal planning channels. You don't have to make the usual planning application to the local authority. The government have effectively given us planning consent in advance. It's called prior approval under permitted development. Now, you do have to tell the local authority what you're going to do, and they should, in theory, at least send you a certificate saying that they agree that you can do it under prior approval, but they can't stop you. Whereas with under the normal planning system, they can impose planning criteria and planning conditions, there's very, very little under planning, uh, under prior approval, which the local authority can actually pick you up on. They can't impose conditions under prior approval, which they would be able to impose under planning. It's not like a normal planning thing. It's much, much easier. 
it's much, much easier, which gives us much more certainty that we can actually do it, which is a great thing. And at the moment, there's prior approval for offices to residential, for some retail to residential, for some light industrial to residential, for laundrettes to residential, strangely. And that's all possibly, all perfectly possible to do that. Now, if you want to do other types of property, you can do that as well, but you probably have to go down the normal planning routes. So something like a pub or a care home, something like that, maybe a nightclub, probably going to have to get planning, won't be under prior approval, probably. But that's okay, because planning can work. There's more risks with planning. You, there's much fewer risks with prior approval, which is why we particularly like prior approval at Progressive. But it's what horses for courses, whichever you think is right at the time, whichever makes sense. And of course, your architect and your planning consultant are going to be able to advise you on that anyway. The point to note is that the government really wants us to do this. And so they've made it much, much easier for us to do this. By the way, another bit of evidence that the government really wants us to do this is that there are also significant tax breaks. There's what they call capital allowances. Now, highly technical subject, and even some accountants don't really understand capital allowances. But basically, it means that we can depreciate the cost and the value of a plant and machinery and other fixtures and fittings in a building. I don't want to get into the technicalities of it. All we need to understand is, though, that capital allowances in the context of a commercial conversion, being big buildings with lots of plants, machinery, fixtures and fittings, etc., means that there's a lot of tax which can be offset. And you can potentially offset your income tax, depending on how you structure your affairs, for years to come, which is pretty cool. So well worth thinking about. One of the great things at the moment in the property market is that there are so many properties waiting to be converted. I've already mentioned the fact that the pubs are going out of business and really sad, by the way, if you like drinking, you know, it's a horrible thing. But leisure's changing. It's le- and, you know, things change all the time anyway. But it just happens to be at the moment that, you know, the leisure market is changing profoundly at the moment. And one of the reasons for that is because of the smoking ban. I remember I was with a publican about two weeks after the smoking ban came in and he was telling me about his problems and he's literally sat there with his head in his hands because the day the smoking ban came in, his trade went down 50%. And there's no way that a business can sustain a drop in trade of 50% like that. And the poor guy, he went out of business. That's why so many pubs are available and so many pubs are waiting to be converted. Offices, though, are great. Why? Because things change, tastes change, the way that we do things change, the way that we work change, work practices change, technology changes. Back in the 80s, I remember when the Big Bang happened in the city of London. The Big Bang, if you don't remember, it was when the stock exchange and the investment banks and the stockbrokers and the financial institutions in the city all decided to go online on computers and all that kind of stuff. I say online, I'm not even sure the internet had been invented then, but they all decided to computerise up in the 80s. And it fundamentally changed the way that we view office accommodation because they discovered that they needed a different type of office because in order to accommodate all of the trunking and cabling which they needed for the new computers, they had to have raised floors. They also needed to have air conditioning because all these new computers were generating a lot of heat. So they needed to have air conditioning in the ceilings. And so the way that offices were built and the way they were put together completely changed. And a lot of the old buildings were just not suitable. Fast forward to today and things aren't much different. 
tastes and technology is changing all the time. Work practices are changing all the time. One of the things we're seeing at the moment is many, many more people are actually working from home. Many people are doing what they call hot desking, where you just go into the office two or three days a week and you share a desk so you don't have a permanent work location when you get to the office. You just have sort of like a communal area where you work, which means that a lot of firms don't need such big office space. A lot of people are just working online, aren't they? And communicating online, and it's changing how we do things, which means that there's a lot of buildings which we could call obsolescent, which are crying out to be converted. By the way, if you're wondering what happened to the offices in the 80s in the city of London, well, a lot of them were knocked down and they had to build new offices which were actually configured properly, but those which weren't were often turned into residential properties. 30 years on, nothing much is different. Offices are still great to turn into residential properties, and that's why we're still doing it. And at the same time, at the moment, the country is crying out for housing. And the government, that's why the government are so keen on us doing this. You may have heard that there's a bit of a housing shortage, a housing crisis in this country. And one of the ways in which the government are hoping to be able to solve that shortage is by encouraging us as developers to change redundant and obsolescent buildings into homes for people, which is why they brought out the prior approval to encourage us to do it. By taking us out of the planning system, which can be slow and frustrating, it means that a lot of, the, lot of projects are being brought forward and happening relatively quickly, at least in comparison to projects which have to go through the normal planning procedures. So it's really a perfect storm, and this is a great time to be doing it. So if you haven't considered doing it, then do. Why not? What do you need in order to do it? Well, I've already said it'd be good to get some education. It'd be, you know, I'm not, not going to sort of pull the wool over your eyes. If you've got a little bit of property experience, it's going to help. Do you need a massive amount of property experience to do this? Probably not. One of the things which really struck me when I first came to Progressive five years ago was I was surrounded by this amazing group of people who were doing the most amazing things. And I came here as somebody who at that time already had about 35 years experience in property but I was watching people who had far less experience than me, some of whom had virtually no experience, who were doing the most amazing things in property, things which I hadn't even considered doing myself. And I was watching them thinking, do you know what? I should be doing that. If they're doing it, I should be doing it. And one of the things which I saw them doing was people who had next to no experience doing commercial conversions, and they were doing it properly because they had the right education, they had the right team and the right support around them. They had the right mentors in place. And I thought, I've got to do that. Fast forward a couple of years, here I am and I'm doing them. So well worth thinking about. So I hope that I, it's been a very quick sort of canter through what commercial conversions are and you know, why they can be a good thing to do and how they work. There's a lot more to it than that, obviously. But I hope it's sort of whetted your appetite and it's food for thought, isn't it? It's not necessarily something which you're going to rush out and start looking for your first commercial conversion project tomorrow, but it's worth bearing in mind. You never know what you're going to come across. One of the great things is once you start looking for deals and you start finding deals, maybe if you don't want to do them yourself, you can actually just package the deals up and sell them on, sell on the lead. There's numerous ways of making money in property. Commercial conversions are no different. So I hope you found that helpful. Until next time, I've been Peter Jones. If you want to know more about me, you can come across to my website, www.thepropertyteacher.co.uk. Love to see you there. 
Otherwise, I'll see you next week at the Progressive Property Podcast. Until then, here's to successful property investing. Thank you.